Carolina Gridiron 2018 State Championship Preview Podcast, here to bring you details about all eight of the state title games taking place this weekend. We're going to start with the 1A. After dropping the first game of the season to a fellow Western North Carolina power Pisgah, the Murphy Bulldogs have reeled off 12 straight wins, and they're looking to win their ninth football title this Saturday at Wallace Wade Stadium. This is the eighth straight season that a Smoky Mountain Conference team has played in either the 1A or 1AA state championship game. Four different teams, Murphy, Swain, Robbinsville, and Cherokee, have won state titles in that time, all from that Smoky Mountain Conference. One key thing for Murphy, though, is they're going to be without senior running back Slay McTaggart. Uh, He was disqualified during the regional final, and he has to miss this week's game. Now, looking to make up for McTaggart's absence in the backfield is going to be senior fullback K.J. Allen. He's rushed for 1,000 yards in his own right this season. Looking to take down the Bulldogs are going to be the 13-1 Pamlico Hurricanes of the Coastal Plains Conference. I had a chance to uh, chat with Tori Noah this earlier this week, and he really thinks that his conference is the best conference in the state of North Carolina when it comes to 1A football. Really thinks that their conference prepares them well. His Hurricanes are averaging over 40 points a game, and they're doing it mostly on the ground. Leading this rushing charge has been a sensational sophomore duo of William Lovett and Savon Tut. They have combined for almost 3,000 yards and 35 touchdowns this season. Not just that, but then you add in Lamont Murray's 767 rushing yards and 19 touchdowns, and the Hurricanes have a three-headed monster in the backfield that is sure to give that Murphy defense fits this Saturday. It's going to be a great game between two teams who love to run the ball. I'll tell you, Wallace Wade Stadium, Saturday around 3 o'clock or so, getting both of these teams. They both, I know Murphy travels very well as they have in in title games in the past. This is Pamlico's first trip. I I bet Pamlico County's just going to shut down as they make their way towards Durham for this state championship game. In the one double-A game, in what might seem to be a repeat of many of the uh, the past few seasons, the Tarboro Vikings were absolutely dominant on their way to playing in another state championship game. Remember, Tarboro's the defending one double-A champs. They're going to get a chance to defend this crown uh, this Saturday evening at Carter-Finley Stadium on the campus of NC State University in Raleigh. This vaunted Tarboro T offense um, it's different than years past. You know, we've seen Tarboro when they had a, like a star running back, like a Todd Gurley, um, who like a feature back even in this T offense. This year, uh, Coach Jeff Craddock doesn't have a single 1,000-yard rusher on the roster. And this is for a team that has amassed almost 5,000 yards rushing this season. Um, you've got four Vikings who have at least 850 yards. None of them have surpassed the 1,000-yard mark this season. I predict that at least one or two of them is going to pass that 1,000-yard mark. What might be really interesting to see is if Tarboro is able to amass enough offense that you maybe get all four Vikings uh, over that 1,000-yard mark. That's a feat that I, I can't recall uh, offhand if any team has ever had four 1,000-yard rushers on their team. That's something that Tarboro can set their sights on this Saturday. Now, we talk plenty about their offense, but they've only given up 52 points this season. They shut out seven different opponents, and you've got to go back seven years to find the last time Tarboro lost a conference game. On the flip side, though, 
you've got East Surrey. They got revenge over their conference rival Mount Airy in the third round, and that got them into the regional final against Star Mount. East Surrey defeated Star Mount 44-27 to secure their first ever berth in the football state championship game. Hey, congratulations. You've won the 1AA West. Your prize, the Tarboro Vikings. I know Trent Loban, he is really excited about the prospects of his Cardinals team. Uh, they come in this game with an 11-3 and record. They're pretty balanced on the offensive side of the ball. They've got about 3,100 yards on the ground, about 2,600 through the air. One interesting thing about East Surrey is that they've got two junior quarterbacks who are leading this offensive attack. Uh, not many teams you'll have two quarterbacks who are uh, able to really lead an offensive attack. Jefferson Boaz leads the team in passing with uh, 1,356 yards. You've got Stephen Gosnell, who's passed for 1,200 through the year, but he's also leading the team with 1,080 rushing yards. On the defensive side of the ball, Hoyt Bullington. Uh, He has, you know, over 100 tackles this season. He's tops on the team. Um, He's got a tough task, though. He's got to lead this defense against a team that has scored over 700 points this season in the Tarboro Vikings. Uh, Looking at this 1AA game, it's hard to see any team that can compete with Tarboro at the 1A level. Not saying it can't happen. Not saying it won't happen. I'm just saying it's going to take a perfect effort by Trent Loman's East Surrey Cardinals uh, to to really give Tarboro a, a matchup this week. And so, you know, hats off to you for making it. Now let's see what you can do with it. In the two-way, in the matchup one that I'm looking forward to uh, tremendously, in the only matchup of undefeated teams in all eight state championship games, you've got a Northeastern Eagles team. They're looking for their first ever football state title. And who are they going to face? Reedsville. Reedsville, they made it to the title game last year. They're trying to shake off the bitter taste of that overtime defeat against Wallace Rose Hill. They're playing Saturday, 11 a.m. at Carter-Finley Stadium. You know, Reedsville, they were able to squeak by a pretty pesky Brevard team in that regional final. And this is the 23rd time the Reedsville Rams have made it to the state championship game. Out of those 22 previous appearances, the Rams have held up that champion's trophy 16 times. They proudly have taken hold of the title town moniker that's been bestowed on them by fans and media alike. Now, offensively, the Rams are pretty balanced. Uh, Travion Canada leads the team. He's got 1,400 rushing yards. He scored 22 touchdowns. But it's the Reedsville defense that truly lives up to the whole cliche of defense wins championships. Uh, The Rams have shut out six opponents this season. Uh, They've only given up more than 14 points once the entire season, and that was the regional final against Brevard that they won 24-21. Now, these Eagles from Northeastern, they sport a rushing attack that has given teams absolute fits this season. They've got a pretty impressive Three different players who've rushed for over a thousand yards. Aaron Harris leads the team. You know he's got sixteen hundred eighty-seven yards, fifteen touchdowns. Tyquan Mercer, uh, he scored seventeen touchdowns. He's rushed for over twelve hundred yards. But Travion Freshwater, I've always talked about one of my favorite name players and probably the best player in Northeastern North Carolina. He scored sixteen touchdowns on offense. He also leads the Eagles defense with over a hundred tackles. Now, this is for a guy who missed three games this season with an injury. He scored that many touchdowns. He's had that many tackles. He is the star of Northeastern North Carolina. Now, I always like to look for interesting side notes or nuggets to these games. 
we're looking at Northeastern, looking at Reedsville in 1969. Both of these teams were 3A, um, and they both won their respective regions. But for many years in the 1960s, the state association they didn't play a full state title game uh, in in some of these classifications, 3A included. The regional game was the final game. You never got a chance to settle who was the best team in the state. Hey, you know, if you're in the minds of some, this year's game between these two teams, maybe some folks from that 1969 year can take a little something away from a win uh, here in 2018. The 2AA game is probably the classic case of offense versus defense. You've got North Davidson and you've got Shelby. This is going to be a true battle of two opposing styles. Um, both of these teams come into the game. They're coming off of wins, like revenge wins, if you want to call them of sorts, in the regional finals. Last year, Shelby was knocked out in the regional final by Highbright, who went on to win the state title. They went and played again up in Lenore this past Friday. Shelby was able to avenge that loss and defeat High Brighton to make it back to the state title game. North Davidson knocked off Ledford in a game that I had a chance to be at this past Friday in an atmosphere that was one of the better atmospheres I've seen in many years for high school football. Ledford had won that regular season matchup 9-7. North Davidson was able to come out. They turned Ledford over five or six times during this game. And, and they were able to secure that berth here in the state title game. Uh, this has definitely been a season to remember for Coach Brian Flynn's Black Knights. They're 13-2. They're in the state title game for the NCHSAA for the first time in school history. Uh, you know, a feature of this North Davidson team that many of their opponents have fallen prey to has been this very strong Black Knights defense. This defense has shut out seven opponents. They've only given up 103 points through the 15 games that they've played. Helping to lead this defense to stand out defensive players, in my opinion, you've got Evan Van Meter, you've got Maddox Johnson. They each have 115, 118 or so tackles uh, this season for the Black Knights. Uh, one thing about North Davidson, uh, they put 11 hats on the ball. Um, for some of you who, who love a good defense, and, and you, you see a, what I call 11 hats on the ball, wherever that ball's going, that entire team is flying to the ball. But they're not a team that just gets by on defense alone. Um, they've gone over the 40-point mark nine times so far this season on offense. And I'll tell you, um, if they're going to get in the end zone much this uh, week, a lot of it's probably going to be through the passing game. I know one of their top receivers has 89 receptions. Folks, 89 receptions, 16 touchdowns. He's a big reason why they've made it to the state title game. And said, so, all right, let's say you're Shelby. You shut folks down. Well, Kobe Brown's right there to run it on the ground. It's kind of a well-balanced offensive attack for North Davidson. Now, while this is North Davidson's first trip to a state title game for the Shelby Golden Lions, they are quite familiar with playing at this point in time in December. The Golden Lions are gunning for their 10th NCHSAA state championship. And if you look at overall titles from the old Western Activities Association, this could be their 15th association championship. A win on Saturday would mean five state titles in six years for Lance Ware's Golden Alliance uh, with all of the rich football tradition that Shelby has. Uh, They've never really had a five titles in six year span. And I'll tell you, Shelby quarterback Isaiah Best, 
Uh, he leads a very potent air attack for the Golden Alliance. They've passed for over 3,500 yards this season. Uh, defensively, Jalen Scott, Jack Hollifield, Nick Stites, they've all played tremendous roles here in helping Shelby overcome a slow start. They started out 1-3 and three on the season. They dropped three straight games uh, to some 3A teams. But that's that's the Golden Alliance. They play teams that are 3A. They play teams that are 4A. They want the toughest competition. They've won 11 straight since that early season hiccup. And I'll tell you, when it their season changed, in my opinion, was when they got a chance to play Kings Mountain. And Kings Mountain had a fantastic year, made the 3A regional final. They are a top team there in Cleveland County. This was the middle of September. You've got Hurricane Florence's rolling through. Most teams around the state have moved up games. They've moved back games. Some had to cancel games. Shelby and Kings Mountain was one of the only high school games being played in the state that night. I had a chance to drop by for the end of that game, and I'll tell you the way Shelby was playing, I am not shocked that they went on, you know, that, you know, like an 11 game or so winning streak since then, and they've made it back to another title game. Now, just like in the 2A game, we got another little interesting note here. Uh, for a while, both North Davidson and Shelby were in the old. Western Association. This is not the first time they've ever been matched up in a title game. Back in 1975, both of these teams were matched up in the old Western Association title game. Now, we love to look at games today and think, hey, they're going to you know, play a game. If it's tied, they'll go to overtime. They'll keep playing overtimes until we have a winner. You know, we used to just call it a draw if you were tied after a certain amount of time. And I'll tell you, back in 1975, at the end of the game, North Davidson 21, Shelby 21. They tied for the Western Association title. So a win on Saturday might mean something a little extra to those players on those 1975 teams. In the 3A, this is really a game. It's a tale of adversity and how teams handle it. You know, we talked about you know, the hurricanes that came through and how teams handled those. I'll tell you, there weren't many places um, that were affected as much as Jacksonville. And, and those Cardinals faced so much adversity this season. Um, Hurricane Florence was just tearing through their town and county. Uh, players and coaches were forced to kind of sit by as the storm damage just ravaged their community. And it kept them off the, the football fields for over a month. You'll have some teams who fold in the face of this adversity. I'll tell you, these Cardinals grew stronger. And, and talking with Bo Williams earlier this week, uh, he talked about how his team used football as an outlet uh, for what they were feeling. And they came together as a team and as a family, and the results have shown as well. Um, This is the first time in 24 years Jacksonville has been in the title game. They're trying to win their second title ever. Um, That running game that Jacksonville has is truly the heart of the offense, and it is the major team strength in my opinion. They showed off their dedication to running the ball. They got two separate 1,000-yard rushers. They got running back Graham Brinker. They've got quarterback Justin Benton. This is a pretty solid senior duo. They've combined for 34 touchdowns this year. And I'll tell you, you know, the inclement weather played havoc on the schedule. You know, Jacksonville's only played 12 games. So the fact that these two have, have scored 34 touchdowns, they're averaging almost three touchdowns a game between the two of them during these these only 12 games that they played with those 34 scores. In the playoffs, though, Jacksonville has been on an absolute tear. They have scored over 200 points in the four games that they've played. In the regional final, they had a chance to get a rematch against Havelock. 
conference rival. They knocked them down earlier this season. It was the only loss that Jacksonville had on their schedule. Jacksonville found a way to come back from a 14-point fourth quarter deficit. They beat Havelock. They beat that conference rival for the first time in over a decade. That had to make it even more special for those Cardinal faithful to get back to a state title game for the first time in almost a quarter century. Their opponents here, the Charlotte Catholic Cougars. They faced adversity as well, but not the same kind of adversity that Jacksonville played. Jacksonville faced you know, physical adversity, your surroundings, what all's going on. For Catholic, it's more mental adversity. They came off a state title. They returned most of the players. They had a bullseye on them. They were in the crosshairs every week. They were going to get the, every team's best effort all week. And it, this was no more apparent than in the first week of the season. And, and they dropped a game 6 nothing to uh, the local um, school, Charlotte Christian. They had a choice here. Fall back into complacency or fight forward in competition. And I'll tell you, Charlotte Catholic responded with one of the strongest season-long defensive showings that I've seen in three of football in the last few years. They only give up 6.5 points a game. You know, only three of their opponents have even scored double digits. They've got Nick King... Uh, on the defensive line, he's got 12 sacks. Um, he's leading this Catholic defense who has put the absolute clamps on in the playoffs. They haven't allowed any uh, playoff opponent to score more than seven points in a game. I'll tell you, just like legendary coach Jim Odo before him, uh, Mike Brodowitz, he's relying on a running game. You, you hold the clock. You control the clock. You stymie some of the opponents. They've rushed for 3,600 yards as a team. Lamaja McDowell leads them with almost 1,200 yards. Mike Neal's got, he just crossed the 1,000-yard mark this past week. But they're not just a one-trick pony here. They will lull you to sleep with that running game. And then as soon as you bring too many guys into the box, boom, Chris Walton's right there. He completed 70% of his passes, about 1,500 yards passing, 18 touchdowns. They will lull you to sleep with that running game, and then, boom, hit you on a post route, a go route, something, as soon as you've got your safeties coming up into the box. I'm looking for a great game. Big-time offense there for Jacksonville. Big-time defense for Catholic. Who is going to be able to impose their will and their style of play on the other? That's going to be a great game uh, Saturday morning there at Keenan Stadium, 11 a.m. Friday night, though, the 3AA game is going to kick off. Weddington is back in the title game for the 3AA for the third time in six years. Ironically, this is also the third time they're playing at Guilford County School. Andy Capone, he's a young guy. He's still in his 20s, his first year at the helm. He has led Weddington to a 14-1 record, and they do it on offense. They do it on defense. On offense, you've got a dynamic running duo. Will Shipley, a sensational sophomore. Wayne Dixie, I've talked about it before, one of the hardest uh, running running backs I have seen this year. They have combined for over 2,000 yards and 28 touchdowns. They throw the ball as well. Whitner Linton's thrown for 23 touchdowns. They had uh, Dante Cassiello come off the bench uh, when Linton was out for a while. Um, so he's thrown for you know 2,000 yards. On defense, Eamon Murphy has over 150 tackles. Alec Mock's right behind him with 148 tackles, including two forced fumbles. I'll tell you, though, looking at Weddington, special teams is the key for Weddington. Ian Williams is their kicker. This fellow, I mean, he also plays linebacker, too, which is really cool. It's not often you see a kicker who will go in and just make tackles as a linebacker. 
he's got that linebacker strength, and he uses that in the special teams. Weddington's got a history of having some great special teams players. You know, they, they sent Keith Duncan, uh, who who's, went up to Iowa. He was one of the best kickers uh, in North Carolina high school football history. Ian Williams has plenty of range. He can get you three points from almost anywhere on the field. Now, Weddington's only loss this season was to Charlotte Catholic, who's also playing in a state title game. They're from the Southern Carolina Conference. Um, this this conference, the Southern Carolina Conference, is, in my opinion, the toughest top-to-bottom 3A conference in the entire state of North Carolina. Um, you look from the top, Catholic Weddington, you get all the way to where the bottom of the standings are, uh, where, where you see a, a Parkwood and, and a Cuthbertson, uh, Monroe, uh, you know, these are great teams. Piedmont, the way they run the ball and their offense, this is a top conference right here. Now, on the opposite side of Weddington is Southeast Guilford. They've also got a 14-1 record. This is their first trip to a state title game. Now, Weddington was kind of able to breeze their way through the 3AA West. I'll tell you, Southeast Guilford, the 3AA East was the toughest bracket in my opinion. It was an absolute gauntlet for whoever was going to get through that. So Southeast Guilford, those Falcons faced a very, very challenging road. They were able to squeak by Eastern Guilford in overtime in the second round. Uh, I think it was 3-3 three to three going into overtime. It, you know, what a game that was. See, squeak by there. All right, so you've just faced off against Eastern Guilford for the second time this year. Boom, you get your old rival Dudley. Right, they took down Dudley. All right, great. You get Cleveland, who has been just an up-and-coming 3A power here in the state of North Carolina. This game was back and forth. Cleveland took the lead late. Southeast Guilford, um, Ryan Douglas found a wide-open Tyler Hoff for the 71-yard game winner. You know, Southeast Guilford was only one point away from a perfect season. They lost uh, by one point to a 4A county rival, Northwest Guilford, back in the third week of the season. You know, Kennedy Tinsley's Falcons, they've roared back for 11 straight wins. Uh, they did it mostly with defense during the regular season. Uh, Jalen Stockham, um, on defense, he's picked off six passes. He's recovered two fumbles. And, and this is an offense that scores more than 30 points a game. Every time they're able to get a turnover, he gives that offense another possession. You know, we talked about Brian Douglas. Um, you know, been a pretty efficient quarterback here, throwing for more than 2,000 yards. They've got a sophomore running back, Jalen Fairley. He's rushed for over 1,100 yards, scored 15 touchdowns. Both of these teams like to move the chains. They love to get in the red zone. They love to get in the end zone so frequently. I'm thinking the 3AA game, it's going to come down to which defense gets the key stop at the right time. That's really going to be the deciding factor right here. I'll tell you, looking at 4A, if you were to ask football fans, high school sports pundits, whatever, which team's going to represent the 4A East in the state championship game. I don't think anyone would say that Scotland is, is going to make it. I tell you, those fighting Scots, Richard Bailey, um, they seemed to limp into the playoffs. They had a, they were 500, had a 5-5 five and five record. They lost to Richmond, their big rival, next to last week of the season because of the extension of the season. Uh, when they had a rescheduled season finale against Jack Britt, they were able to beat them, and then they've gone on a winning tear since then. Uh, since they knocked off Jordan in the first round, the Scots went back to the triangle, and they shocked so many people when they took down Cardinal Gibbons, the number two seed Cardinal Gibbons in the second round. All right, They went on and, and went to Fayetteville, took down Pine Forest, and then went back to Fayetteville, and they were able to clinch their ticket to the state championship game. They shut out 71st. 
All right, they shut them out, 28-0. Conference uh, rival, 71st beat them 21-6 earlier in the season. All right, they got the 10th seed uh, in, in the in the 4A East because of how they finished in that Southeastern 4A Conference. They were forced to go on the road for their entire playoff run if they wanted to make it to Duke. I'll tell you, they started their playoff run in Durham uh, with Jordan, and they're ending their playoff run in Durham. But this time, they're at Wallace Wade Stadium, where they're taking on the East Forsyth Eagles in this 4A state championship game. You know, East Forsyth uh, maybe didn't face as tough of a schedule in the playoffs until the regional finals. Maybe Scotland did, but they were definitely tested during Central uh, Piedmont Conference play. Uh, they had to match up with West Forsyth. They had to match up with Reagan. Uh, you know, special teams uh, helped push East Forsyth to the title. They got the safety. They got the fake punt uh, for a touchdown against Porter Ridge. They got the kickoff return for a touchdown against Porter Ridge. Special teams are going to be needed to help win this game um, against Scotland. You know, Scotland loves to run the ball, and they've had a steady supply of running backs. You know, Shaheen McQueen. Uh, leads them on on the, on the ground with like 1,200 yards. But Joseph McCoy's been just as crucial. Uh, when McCoon was injured this past week, McCoy stepped in, got 140 yards. That put him over the 1,000-yard mark. I know East Forsyth uh, coach Todd Willard, uh, he's proud of his running game as well. Imani Marshall's gained more than 1,000 yards on the ground. He scored 20 touchdowns. One thing, getting a chance to talk to uh, East Forsyth coach Todd Willard this week, he praised the work of his offensive line. And he talked about, you know, some years it was tough to get all your players into the weight room over the summer to get them motivated. They didn't like losing in the playoffs last year. They came back hungry, and they have played hungry this entire year. And they are looking to get a perfect season. Standing in their way is going to be Scotland, who is tough. And, and we know that they are a tough out. These are two hungry 4A teams. You know, Todd Willard's looking for his first state title. Richard Bailey's looking for his first state title. Uh, you know, he was coached, you know, uh, in a couple other title games. He's looking to get a title win. I'll tell you, uh, th- this is going to be a tough matchup Saturday night at Wallace Wade Stadium. In the 4AA game, this game's going to be Friday night at Duke's Wallace Wade Stadium. You've got Wake Forest and you've got Vance. Now, Wake Forest had suffered uh, three losses in the 4AA state title game in the early uh, part of this decade, but they broke through two years ago, and they've been on a tear ever since. They've won. They won Wake County's first state title almost three decades. They backed it up with another state title. They haven't lost a game in these three seasons. It's like forty-four straight wins. They're aiming for their third straight state title uh, this Friday night. You know, I talked to Coach Reggie Lucas uh, this week, and we were like, "Hey, Coach, do, do, you know." You've won 44 straight games, two straight titles, going for a third straight title. Do, do you finally think that you're the favorite? And, and coach is like, no, we we are always the underdog, All right? We, you know, we always consider ourselves to be the underdog. We have to earn what we get. We have to fight. Nothing's ever going to be handed to us. And I'll tell you, that mentality of being the underdog that has helped fuel a fierce rushing attack for these Wake Forest Cougars. They average 270 yards rushing per game. Right, they average more than 40 points of offense per game. McCall Haywood, Demarcus Jones, they've combined for almost 2,400 yards on the ground of 35 touchdowns. On the flip side, you know, you've got another Charlotte team, but it's not a Charlotte team in the final that people are used to hearing. They're used to a Mallard Creek a Butler, and Independence. Those are the teams who in the 2000s have represented Charlotte in the 4AA state title game. Vance was finally able to get over the hump 
and win a regional final. They had three just like heartbreaks, it seems like, uh, in the regional finals uh, in the last five years or so. They're hoping to take that mantle of Charlotte football being the Charlotte football power. They want to bring that 4AA state title back to the Queen City. Coach Aaron Brand, he has his all-gas, no-breaks mentality for Vance. These Cougars, they play with a level of intensity that most of their opponents cannot match up to. That intensity has seen Vance average 34 points a game on offense. They only give up about 9 points a game on defense. They shut out 5 opponents this year, including a very impressive 25-0 win over conference rival Huff to end the regular season. I'll tell you, there's talent all over the field for Vance. If you look up and down their roster, you know, you've got you know, six, seven, eight guys on each side of the ball who already have major college offers. That regional final they had against Myers Park last week, there was at least 20 to 25 guys who had major college offers on that field. This is a classic case of, you know, you have great talent. Now, what all can you do with this talent? And this 4AA state title game is filled with some of the best talent in the state of North Carolina. It's a great slate uh, of eight games right here, and I, I can't wait to get a chance to check it out. And joining in on the podcast with some detailed analysis is Brian Barnes. Uh, Brian, how are you this evening? I'm doing great, Justin. How are you? Doing fantastic. It's a great time to be uh, here in North Carolina. It is high school football championship week. Um, this is the most exciting week of, of the year, in my opinion. And, and Brian, we just had a chance to run through uh, some previews for each of the games. Uh, I'm just curious, which... Of these eight games, are you most looking forward to this weekend? Well, you know, Justin, actually, I have two games that I'm really looking forward to this weekend. Um, the first one is the 1A championship between Pamlico and Murphy. Um, this is Pamlico's first uh, trip, like we said earlier in the podcast. But, you know, they have some big wins on their on their uh, record. And I, I think it's going to be interesting to see how they match up against Murphy, especially with this being the first time. Uh, being there, then they're matched up with Murphy and the legendary David Gentry, who has seven rings already, going for his eight. It's going to be interesting to see that matchup. But also, I'm kind of, I'm really interested in that Southeast Guilford Weddington matchup. I mean, both these teams have some pretty big wins on their uh, season. Uh, I mean, Southeast Guilford beat Dudley and beat Eastern Guilford twice this season. Once in there in the regular season and in both in the playoffs. Then on the other side, Weddington, and I remember you going to that Crest game earlier this year and telling me you need to look out for Weddington. They're going to be good and they're going to make some waves in the playoffs. And look at here, here they are in the championship game. And they have some huge wins on their uh, record too. And the way they've been playing in the playoffs, it has been lights out. Um, they have taken care of Central Cabarrus, 48 nothing, South Iredell, 33 to six and Watauga 42-14, to 14, um, and huge wins coming through the playoffs. And I think those two teams, Southeast Guilford and Weddington, are going to match up well in that championship game. And I'll tell you, Brian, one thing, that, that kind of the theme of the season here is just uh, weather. Uh, there's always some type of weather. It's either pushing games around, it, it's moving games. So just tell me, um, you know, you're the weather expert uh, to, to me. Um, what's the weather going to be like this weekend for these title games? 
the weather this is this is classic north carolina weather um one weekend it's snowing the next weekend they're calling for heavy rain and thunderstorms and uh it's not going to be fun especially with all the snow that's been on the ground up in the raleigh area has been melting and now they're calling for like two to three inches of of rain which is going to cause some flooding um these fields are going to be a mess these players are gonna are gonna have to endure the elements and the pouring rain. Hopefully, there won't be that many um, delays, if any. I hope there's not gonna be any because I hope the lightning stays away and we just get heavy rain. But you know, if there's thunderstorms around, they can't play football in a thunderstorm. So it's gonna be uh, kind of interesting to see how uh, Friday night and Saturday uh, go along. And so, if there is a chance of some inclement weather uh, this weekend, if you were to look at the 16 teams that have made it to the state championship games. Um, do you think there's any team here where the weather isn't going to affect how they play the game? You know, I think probably the uh, – probably Tarboro will probably be one of the least affected teams. They're just – they're on the ground, and, and they'll, they'll be fine against uh, East Surrey, Rain or Shine, I have a feeling. Um, but So I think that that team right there is probably – not really too worried about the rain. Now, do you think there's any of the teams that might be adversely affected by this rain? I would say Shelby. Um, they do a lot of passing, um, and, and they're going against that great defense of North Davison. So I think Shelby is probably a little more concerned than, than most of the other schools. Yeah, they do pass a lot. I'll tell you, um, and, and I'll give you another question here, and you are not allowed to name a school that also shares the name with a European country. But are there any school, a team that has made it to the state title game that surprises you based off of their performance in the regular season? Hmm, that's a good one. Um, I probably would have to go with East Surrey. Um, they they got beat pretty good by Mount Airy in the regular season. But then when they matched up again in the playoffs, uh, East Surrey was able to shut down Mount Airy. And I think that's probably the more shocking, uh, other than the non-European named school, um, to be where they're at. And, and I know some of our fans up in the, the triangle are wondering this. Um, what are the odds that Wake Forest is going to pull down a third straight state title for Wake County? I probably I would give them probably a seventy percent shot. I think that uh, I mean forty four straight wins. They're going for their third. They know they're the best. They're playing in their backyard again, like they always do. Um, so in you know, advance. Um, they're strong. They beat some strong teams to get there. But I would say that uh, Wake Forest has a pretty good shot. Okay, and one last question before we, we let you go for this podcast here, Brian. Look at these 16 teams. You could pick any one team to be on offense and any one team to be on defense out of these 16 teams. Who do you choose for offense and who do you choose for defense? Yeah, I'm going to go a little out of the book here. I mean, for defense, I'm, I'm going to stick stick with the status quo and go North Davison. They have probably one of the better defenses on there on in all of these 16 teams. But for offense, I think I'm going to go with Weddington. Um, they have they have played some great competition this year, 
and they are putting points up on everyone, and, and they, they like to spread it out. So um, I, I kind of like the Weddington offense. Right. And that is uh, quite the interesting matchup if we ever get a chance to see that uh, happen in real life. I'll, I'll put some feelers out to Davidson County and Union County to see if we can ever get a matchup between these two teams. Uh, Brian, I want to thank you for uh, helping to provide some insight here, like you always do here at CarolinaGridiron.com. I know you're a busy, busy man. Uh, so I thank you for joining us here on this week's podcast, and I look forward uh, to working this weekend state championship games with you. Oh, yes, it's always a pleasure, Justin. This is a great time in North Carolina. Thank you, Brian.